Our second scripture reading comes to us from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they had thoroughly washed their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. There are also many other traditions that they observe. Washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, Why do your disciples not live according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesies rightly about you hypocrites, as it's written, The people honors me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commitment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells father or mother, whatever support you might have is from me is Corban, that is an offering to God, then you no longer permit anything for a father or a mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. When he'd entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared all foods clean. Then he said, It's what comes out of a person that defiles. For it's from within... From the human heart, the evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, yesterday I spent, as I do many of my days off, a good portion of the day running errands. I usually make up a list. Yesterday included going to Lowe's, coming here to get the list for the swim party, going to the grocery store, going to BJ's, and going to look at a shed that we might be purchasing. I also stopped by Target. And inevitably, when I come up with these lists, it takes far longer to run these errands than I think. 
I think, oh, I could do this, be home in 45 minutes. Five hours later, I'm finally on my way home. And yesterday when I was in Target, since I'd been gone for a while, I needed to run into the restroom, and as I was ready to go, I saw a sign, and every time I saw this sign, it always makes me giggle and strikes the mischievous part of my heart. Right before I left the restroom, I saw a sign that said, Employees must wash hands. And I thought about standing there and waiting and waiting for however long it took for an employee to come in and go, Finally, you're here. I need my hands washed. It says, Employees must wash hands. I neither have the patience nor the mischievousness to actually do this. But I am a fanatic about washing my hands. Uh, If you've seen me cook, I wash my hands, not to use a bad pun, but religiously. Almost every step I make, I wash my hands in between. Heather likes to joke because I keep a hand towel tossed over my shoulder because I lose so much time going back and forth to dry my hands. So when I read today's scripture, I wanted to side with the Pharisees. We're kind of taught that the Pharisees are the enemies, the bad guys of the Bible. And this is because Jesus clashes with them so often in the scriptures. Time and again, they butt heads religiously, philosophically, theologically. And Jesus always ends up making them look like a fool. But today, I really wanted to side with them. They see the disciples sit down to eat and they notice that none of them washed their hands. And they called Jesus out for this. They said, why are your disciples not washing their hands? And I wanted to say, yeah, why aren't they washing your hands? That's gross. You guys live in a very dusty climate. You don't have indoor plumbing. It's not the most clean area to live. You should be washing your hands before you eat. Who knows what you've touched, what you've picked up, what you've gathered on the dusty trail. Because we think of washing hands as something we do for hygiene purposes, for cleanliness. But the Pharisees were upset the disciples didn't wash their hands for a completely different reason. They said it's because of the tradition of the elders. If we want to understand the source of this tradition, we have to go back 500 years before the time of Jesus. And then the temple priest, before they would enter the inner sanctuary of the temple, would wash their hands and feet very thoroughly to represent that they were stepping onto holy ground. And over the next several hundred years, this came to the Pharisees, the the priests, the Sadducees, washing their hands before they did various things as a way of representing and recognizing God being at work. And they'd wash their hands before meals as a way of thanking God and recognizing God's presence in the meal. It was a way of making the everyday into something holy. It's often or it's similar to us getting together for a meal and saying a prayer of thanksgiving before the meal. If we gathered as a church group very often and someone would walk in and we did not say grace but just dug right in, they might say, why, why is your congregation not saying grace? Why are they not giving thanks when they gather before this meal? And that's the situation that the Pharisees catch Jesus in. They've broken this tradition. But Jesus calls it out for what it is. Jesus realizes the origins of this, but he also recognizes that to the Pharisees it's become just that. A tradition. 
Something they do because the people before them did. Something they do because they were taught. And that the law has lost the meaning of adding holiness to the meal. Of thanking God. And this is somewhere where I think we can also relate to the Pharisees in today's Scripture. Another reason why we can side them. Because how many things do we do out of tradition as a church, as a faith, that have lost their meaning that we do just because it's something we do every week or we do every so often. Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, I was on Facebook, and I'm a member of several groups that are items for sale in Anne Arundel County, items for sale or garage sales in Bowie and Crofton, and different things where it's a great place to find used kids' clothes for Hannah or toys or, or things cheap. And there's one post that really bothered me. And a woman posted and she said, I'm looking for someone who's ordained, and my eyes kind of perked up, or a member of a church to do a christening who will not charge me or make me go to any classes. And I really wanted to reply and enter into a theological discussion with her, but I realized that no good would end up coming of that. And I realized that for her, the act of christening had become something that's just a tradition, just something you do. That it had lost its meaning. And how many things like that do we do? The first thing that popped into my mind was the Lord's Prayer. We pray the Lord's Prayer every week. If I started it right now, you would all jump in out of habit. But how many of us actually offer it up as a prayer or how many of us go on remote control and just start saying it, and it just comes out automatically. It's become a tradition and lost its meaning. Sometimes we do the same thing with passing of the peace, that, that we aren't actually passing the peace of Christ to one another. We aren't wishing that the peace of Christ be with each other. But instead, we're using it as a meet-and-greet time, a time to, to talk about the Redskins game, a time to, to catch up on what's been going on. I'm guilty of it as well. It's not something I'm accusing you of doing. It's something we all do. Before I came here to the United Parish of Bowie, I had to meet with the uh, Committee on Ministry of our Presbytery. And it was three representatives from this committee, and their job, I had to write, I think it was six pages of theological discussion, and they got it a couple weeks in advance, tore it apart, and came ready to interrogate me. Very happy thing knowing that, you know, this, this call that you're answering all depends on this. Uh, it was, and, and very rarely do they turn down candidates, but it doesn't mean it's comfortable and not nerve wracking. I remember one of the biggest traditions we had was because I disagreed with something in Presbyterian polity. And in the Book of Order, the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church, it says that to come to the Lord's table, you must be baptized. And I could see the theological understanding of that. But I told them, I don't care. And they said, what? I said, well, what do you want me to do? If, if I know someone's not baptized and they come forward to take communion, should I stop them and say, no! You, know, you are not baptized. You are not welcome at the Lord's table. Or should I follow through and mean the words that I say when I say this is not the table of this church, but the Lord's table, and it's He that invites us and He that welcomes us. We get caught up at tradition 
and we lose the religious aspect. We forget that we are following God's commandments. Jesus was asked what the two greatest commandments were, and he said to love God and to love neighbor. And so often when we break with God's commandments for sake of tradition, we alienate others. We tell them you are not welcome at this table, even though it's Jesus who invites you. Or what if someone who were unclean, who were dirty, came in and because of tradition of a clean sanctuary, we didn't want them to sit down? Or what if when Hannah was crying because of the tradition of a sanctuary that's quiet, we wanted to turn the mother with a screaming child away? A few years ago, I read an article about a church that actually kicked out a family because they had an autistic child and he was making too much noise during worship. And they said, oh, well, we're not about outreach here. And my heart wept. Jesus ends this passage with a list of sins that sounds like it could be the who's who from any day in Washington, D.C. He says, it's from within, from the human heart, the evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And if we think about what this list of sins have in common, we realize that they are sins against our brothers and sisters that in committing these sins, we are breaking with God's commandment to love our neighbor. That we're not seeing that commandment fulfilled. And so often when we follow tradition for tradition's sake, we alienate our brothers and sisters. We forget God's commandment to love our neighbors, to welcome in the stranger the forgotten, the downtrodden. We put a big sign that says, not welcome here, that this is an exclusive club. And God weeps a little bit. When I was in high school, I remember very clearly I was working on a speech for the speech team. And I read an article, and I don't remember the point of the article. I remember the speech was about keeping an open mind. And it was about a woman that was preparing a roast And she cut about two inches off one end and two inches off another. And her daughter said, well, mom, why do you do that? She said, well, that's the way my mom taught me to do it. So, well, why did she do that? So she called her mom and her mom said, well, that's the way grandma taught me to do it. And so she called her grandma and said, why did you always cut two inches off each end of the roast? And she said, well, that's because that's how big the pan was. It wouldn't fit unless I cut two inches off. But her mom had seen her grandma do it. She had seen her mom do that. So she still did it regardless of the size of the pan. When we practice our faith, when we follow Christ, we have to be intentional about what we do. There is nothing wrong with tradition. We have some lovely family traditions in my house. We have some great traditions as a church here. But we can't lose sight of that which we're called to do. We can't lose sight that we're called to love God, to love neighbor, and to glorify God in all we do.
And when our traditions interfere with that, that's when it's time to go. There is nothing wrong with washing our hands. But when we wash them just because that's what we're taught and we look down on others who don't, then we're no longer worshiping God. Amen.